0: This is Michael Woodward, and this is episode 32 of the Jumblethink podcast.
1: T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1.
0: On today's episode, we have Cami Fam. It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. We talk about so many cool topics. Can't wait for you to check that out. Coming up on Monday's episode, we have Manny Vea. He is the founder of 2000 Books, really cool company, and he's doing some other really cool stuff. So you wanna make sure to check out that episode on Monday. We've got some great giveaways. We're about to wrap up some signups. And so here's what you gotta do to be entered for maybe a free book or chocolate or some art from a past guest. Go on over to jumblethink.com and sign up for our newsletter. Again, that's go over to jumblethink.com and sign up for the newsletter. When you do that, you'll be entered to win some great stuff from our guests. Now let's jump into my interview with Kami Pham. I am super excited about today's guest. Her name is Cami Pham. She is an incredible person. She's spoken at 10X events. She's been featured in the BBC, Business Insider, Adweek, Yahoo, Lifehacker, and so much more. And she also founded a company called Think Renegade. We're going to talk about that and so much more. It's an action-packed episode, so let's jump into my interview with Cammie Pham. Kami, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today. I've I've seen your post on social media. Uh, I've read articles that you've had on Medium and other places like that. So really excited to talk to someone who's shaking up the industry.
2: Oh, thank you so much. you too, Kai. Thanks for having me here.
0: Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
2: Um, I'm a digital marketer and I have my own agency, Think Renegade. We are basically an e-commerce marketing agency. The base based in Toronto. Most of our clients are e-commerce. um focus mainly on lifestyle and travel. Uh, I also write about um, personal development and um, a lot of things I have learned throughout my life. <laughs> and I also have an Instagram, which I post a lot of pictures when I travel.
0: Yeah, travel seems to be really important to you. <laughs>
2: I think it's um something. Travel uh, allow me to meet different people coming from different perspectives and um allow me to learn a lot new things. And it's funny enough, actually, I used to study architecture, so oh wow. So I love when I travel. I can actually see a lot of work that I have under my for years. So it's it's always something I love. Actually my dream is actually go to Japan and sleep there for a year to actually learn more about architecture oh, wow! we do that one day. But so yeah, I'm like, it's kind of like a lost love. When I travel, I find different pieces that I once loved, right?
0: Yeah. So you mentioned Think Renegade, it's a digital marketing firm, specializing, uh, specializing in uh, e-commerce.
2: How did it start? Jessica, my business partner, um, actually reached out to me years ago, I think four or five years ago, to work with a brand that she was working in town, which actually became our client now. Wow. Um, and we chat back and forth for a little bit. And it, it never went way anyway because I get a lot of emails. I get a lot of PR pitches. Uh, so we got lost in the mix, right? So what we did at the end is that, like, I think a year and a half, or two years later, we actually bumped into each other on LinkedIn. (laughs) Okay. And she asked me, like, do you know anyone who's looking to start an agency? I want to do that, but I don't want to do it by myself. And at that point, I want to do the same thing. How I would not do that by myself because you cannot stay at a computer for 12 to 16 hour days and not be able to talk to someone. Right. And for us is that when we are on a retainer, we work with a client, we are under NDA. We actually not allowed to talk about client work with anyone else who are not working with us. And I cannot actually ask my friend, hey, can you sign NDA? So can I run by my client account? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Right? So it's just like perfect timing and we met up for a coffee date. And pretty much how is that?
0: That's a really cool story.
2: It's actually a very risky one. Because yeah. if you think about that, I barely know her. <laughs> it, it worked out for us. It's like, it's kind of love at first sight. But I'm lucky I actually get a good one. That's awesome. <laughs> a good reason about that.
0: Yeah. Now, you, how did you find your passion for digital marketing? Because... Uh, it didn't uh, – you, you mentioned that you, you have a passion for architecture, that that's what you were studying. So how do you make this shift to digital marketing?
2: I did not follow my passion. I follow the money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm honest. It's actually true. What happened is I was studying architecture, and it takes me another five, six years before I get my degree. And it doesn't mean that I can actually – practice, I actually need to work, I think, for another two years, then write an exam uh, to get my license to become actually become an arch- architect. And if you know about, people always think like, because it's a professional um, field, which you need to study a lot to actually get a license, right? People always right. think to architects actually make a lot of money, which is not true, unless you are one of the top, the star architect, you don't actually make a lot of money. So, when I was in school, one of my former boss actually came to me and offered me a job. Okay. (laughs) And at that point, I don't even know how to write a marketing plan, to be honest. Wow. Um, And it's funny, he dropped. So, at first he asked me, oh, why don't we have dinner and actually chat about his business. I actually ignore that email because I get a lot of men who send me such kind of email, and it's never about business. So I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm not gonna talk to this guy. Yeah, yeah. So he actually called me up and said, "No, I don't do dinner business meeting. I'm sorry, I don't do that." So he asked, "Okay, so why don't we do lunch?" I'm like, "Fine, we do lunch." So when we sat down to the table, he actually dropped a photo and he said, "Here's seven reasons why you need to work for me." Wow. <laughs> so and that uh, it's funny and um, he talked about some business ideas that he had in the past. I'm like, oh totally that That would not work. And he's like, how do you know? I was <laughs> like um, so The market it doesn't work that way. He talked about a previous business idea, right? right. I said, oh, I wish I knew that years ago <laughs> And um, so with the chat back and forth he actually didn't know exactly how what to do with the business really, but his his passion for the business was something that's there now. And at the end, I decided to work for him. Also, my mother had a car accident like not long ago. I think about six months or eight months before that. And my mother is a single mother who who brought my sister and me to Canada. Like we struggled for the first few years. I think five years. Like we really struggled. My mother made like, almost no money. We moved to a new country. We didn't know how my grandmother took us in. Um, so with my mother cannot work anymore. My family, like it's funny how the health insurance actually work in Canada. So when my mother applied for sick benefit, uh, they basically said they actually reject my mother's application because um, there was um, some kind of insurance policy at the time that basically they said that it, Either you receive insurance or you're in jail that I can give you benefit. Or I just cannot give you benefit because you don't have one of those, which makes absolutely no sense. Right. And at this point, I'm, like, I'm getting an offer with a very well-paid offer. I was basically the highest-paid person in the company. Wow. <laughs> um, it's it's a mid-level manager position, well-paid, and my family, and I need some money to feed my mom and my sister. We, she couldn't get sick um, benefit. And it's just something that makes sense at that point. So it true I follow um, uh, money. Yeah. It, at the end of the day, I love my family and it's what makes sense at the point. And, um, uh, so, and I got into marketing and I think that was because I fo- follow the money and it actually become my passion because I got into it and I learned a lot of different things. Um, it's, about, it's all the learning, it's something I love and hate because of in marketing every day, marketing change, social media right. change. There's so much for me to actually learn. I hate that. But because of that, everything is new, everything is fresh, there's so much opportunity for you to leverage. And I think I fell in love with marketing that way. It's kind of an arranged an marriage and you fall in love with someone. Yeah. So it
0: was, it, you kind of just fell into it. It wasn't the plan, it wasn't the idea, but but in that process, you found that you actually enjoyed it.
2: I think um, passion, you find passion where you're good at and where you can see that you can create value and add to other people's life. So that's where the passion is. Because I know that if I actually, it's a good thing that I like architecture, because if I became an architect, I'm falling on a it. Why? Right. Because when you actually run a business versus when you follow your passion, it's totally, totally different things. You need, because when you run a business, you need to actually do something that the market wants. And I'm, and marketing actually allowed me to kind of do that because with video, we're looking for something new, something fresh in marketing. It's the way the industry is. People are always looking for a new type of campaign, something fresh ideas, a, a new way to do things. But but when you come into real estate, people don't like change. People want to buy houses that more as like the parent, something they have seen before, their friend have, the parent have been living in the similar house in the past. In order to, or to be a change I want to see, I will have to take risks to do something that people might not accept in the beginning. And basically, I'm going to be starving for years. <laughs> <before>. <laughs> Yeah. make money. And when you're hungry, like, to be honest, I'm an immigrant, I came here, I know that when you're hungry, when you're cold, to be honest, you cannot be happy.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. I remember it was the first day when I moved into my house, I couldn't, I didn't know how to turn on the heat. Wow. So my And it was uh, almost December, I think 17 or something, it's over, like, over five days before Christmas. It's insanely cold in Canada. Yeah. And I couldn't even turn out the heat. It was crazy cold. And I like, I'm like, to be honest, if my grandmother didn't took us, we're pretty much homeless. Wow. We came to Canada with almost no money. But my grandmother who, who worked for like two, two dollars an hour. Wow.
0: <laughs>
2: and she to save enough money that she can buy a house and she took us in. Like to be honest, if she didn't take us in, we would be on the street. <laughs> wow. I always joke that I was semi homeless if my grandmother wasn't there.
0: Now, tell us a little bit about that story because you, you, on your website, you you uh, tell this long story uh, about you, and it kind of starts out. This is my life story. I was born into old money, grew up with no money, and have no money. And you've mentioned you've been an immigrant uh, from Vietnam, if, if I'm right. Tell
2: yeah. us a little bit about that story and and what that means. Um, I'm actually very lucky to was born into a family with a lot of history. So my family actually work on both sides of the table, the South and the North of Vietnam. <laughs> Uh, my grandfather is very, have a very high ranking in the Communist Party in the past. I cannot remember what it is. It's something in the army. So when he actually had his funeral a few years ago, there was like a thousand people coming from wow. <laughs> From like a different uh, division of the army to come to actually my grandfather. He had a military funeral and he was buried in like, a very high ranking. Um, cemetery for the government from the communist party his wife my grandmother my, so my, basically my great-grandfather actually was on the shortly to be the president of south vietnam wow <laughs> so it's funny my family basically came from both sides of both sides of the table when it, when it come to vietnam War. And I think he went to, went, I cannot remember exactly, I'm not really good at history, but he went, he was tied in the same circle with the South Vietnam president. And in that group, there's like five or six of them, they actually went to Japan to find a new way to actually save the country, figure out a way to get independent for the country. Yeah. So, and also the. Uh, of the French actually offered him to become the mayor of, of Hanoi, which was the capital city of South um, of Indochina, which is Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia at that point. So, and if I'm not wrong, his ancestor was like, <laughs> as uh, there was like empire but like that was the dynasty was the longest ruling dynasty in vietnam so wow I basically came from the like blue blood wow that's um, crazy but my grandfather my 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 grandfather's side is like he came from the village that have the most um scholar in history of vietnam or something like that and the family is one of the most influential family in the village if i'm not wrong some of my kind of far like distant cousins like the VP of Vietnam.
0: Somebody.
2: Wow. <laughs> uh, like I don't know them because like a lot of history, there's like Wikipedia page, there's a lot of history. There's a few movies about different people in the family. So I actually was born in a family with a lot of history. And when you think about old money, you think like, yes, they, they're very wealthy. at um, Like before 1945, they was very, very, very wealthy. Uh, but, something is interesting, like my family have been be very, very frugal, and my parents, is the old money way of raising us. is like, it's really, other than education, um, like my parents never really spend money on anything and they have always been that way to our family. Wow. They only buy things that they need and um, uh, my mom always only buy things that you need or oh, yeah, one day you have to sell things that you actually need. So never buy things you don't need or else, one day you have to sell things that you actually need. <laughs> so we, like, it's funny. Our family actually did very well, but I never get the, the newest toy when I was small because I'm like, I don't get it. Like I was, my classmates who were coming from families that less pretty than mine, they always have the coolest toy and they never have those. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the way our family live, and um, as it was, they always tell us that we need to treat people nicely it's one of interesting stories that my father, he, when he, my father lost his money a few times. He, he became very wealthy, then he lost money, then he became very wealthy again, then he lost money quite a few times. He, he was going to jump up a bridge at least two or three times already. Wow. <laughs> so one time when, one of those times when he make a lot of money again, and he's that. Because when he lost money, so the the bank basically froze our account because there was a lawsuit that my father had nothing to do with.
0: Wow.
2: It's just because some relationship with his company, so they think that he had something to do with the, uh, the scam, right? But they, they, my father had nothing to do with it. But they froze our bank account for the two years. Wow. <laughs> That's why we basically went broke and so he couldn't pay back a lot of people. Uh, money. So when he had, my father had a lot of money again. He make he was making a lot of money and um, uh, around like eight, seven, eight seven eight years ago, he made a lot of money from the stock market. He was behind a few big IPO. He would pay everyone back two or three times more, more than the amount he owed and wow. asked him why. He said that money I can make like I can make a lot a lot more money with relationship. If I lose it, so there's no way for me to get it back. Wow. And that's why he said, like, basically, I want to pay back all my friends, um, assuming the, the money that um, they lent me that I couldn't pay back when I went broke, um, they, it will be the best investment they can possibly invest. That's why I am paying them two or three times the amount that, that I owe them because they didn't have a choice. I didn't have money to pay back um, at that time because the bank froze all bank account. So that's why. So my parents is all... The philosophy is they want to make sure that we live a very full life. It's always focused about on learning and make sure we treat people around us nicely. That is one of the biggest things um, uh, When my grandmother, my grandmother, I told you already, she came from an old money background. Yeah, but but she lived in a communist country. So basically, we capitalists. <laughs> uh, in a communist country, at that point, it wasn't easy for she to work for the communist government. But um, with her capitalist uh, background, uh, she could never actually move up the ladder. It doesn't wow. matter what she does, she can never move up the ladder. So, uh, what she did, she opened a pharmacy, like a small one, in like in a very small street, and. She make enough money to feed the family, like a nice living, but like not like not wealthy at that point, right? It's before this was before the, the embargo was live in Vietnam, so everyone yeah. was really everyone was starving basically. My mother said that at that point, her one month salary couldn't even buy me milk to drink. Like buy wow. me one, one bottle of milk. That's her entire month. That was how poor the country was at that point. Wow. And my grandmother would always give out like free medicine to poor people who couldn't afford it. And she said that she doesn't want to let people die. So that's why she would make medicine and then give to them. It like, they wasn't wealthy or anything at that point. But she said if I can afford to help people, I would do that. And that's why even uh, her house is like she has a pharmacy at home, right? So it's in a very like, small lane. It's a very tiny street. Like people would always miss. Like if you don't know about it, you would never go to it. Wow. <laughs> right? Yeah. And people, people would always come to support her because she, let's like see, always they know that if something goes wrong with in their lives, she would always be there to support, to make sure to take care of their health. My grandmother would give out free medicine to people who couldn't afford. So that was kind of the background how I grew up. And uh, then when the market opened in 1994, 1995, I was a four, or five years old. Then my parents got into telecom, and they was they would distribute like a lot of cell phone. My father was the one. My father basically split the market, the prepaid phone card market, with another guy. Wow. And so he made a lot of money at that point. So I grew up with the new money. I went to school with like my classmate was the son and daughter of um, like the official in the government. Wow. Like you need wow. a lot of money under the table to actually like, get into my my class because it's like special class for, me <laughs> for the elite. So that so I actually grew up with the new money, it's, people always think, when I say grew up with the new money, people always think, oh, I would be one of the small brands. No. Like I told you earlier, my parents is very strict. I'm not allowed to spend money on candy or toy, I leave my book. Wow. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I grew up with some of the richest people in the country and I have seen a lot of interesting things. <laughs> and um, then uh, my parents lost all their money and my mother decided to move to Canada where her family lived. My father decided to stay in Vietnam and rebuild his wow. business. <laughs> wow. And when we came here, because we, I think my mother had like about $10,000. But like, think moving to a new country with $10,000. Yeah. And there's like a lot of expenses. We have a lot of... Um, uh, immigration fees there's a lot of um different fee when you move to the country we moved to the country like i didn't even have shoes i could wear snow like this wow. we didn't have college. There was a lot of expenses ten thousand dollars probably can cover us for like two or three months max yeah yeah <laughs> and her job was so bad that when she got the, we got our citizenship the official basically said to her that now you can actually have you have a citizenship, you can actually work, uh, you have a um, permanent resident, you can actually work for someone else, go find a new job. Yeah. It's really like slavery. <laughs> like she worked long hours with almost, the pay was so bad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's why I'm like, my family is everything. My mom gave give up so much for us to be where we are today. And uh, I'm grateful for that. And I have learned a lot of things from that.
0: Yeah, it's really, as I listened to your story, um, there's two kind of things that stood out to me. One was that uh, you understand how to be grateful for what you have, which is an important and valuable lesson that I think, uh, especially in Western civilization, more of us need to learn. And I think the second thing that stood out to me was just the, that message of if you have something, you know, be generous, and, you know, you your family has been in seasons where you had much and seasons where you had little because of the situations there. But but just being generous with what you did have um, and taking care of those who are around you, those are two really valuable lessons to learn so young. Uh,
2: I think it's just because we went to a war. <laughs> Not one, of few. Yeah. And, you know, when money like, you people like my grandparents, my parents. I I didn't go to a worse. I don't know anything like that. I only struggled for like the first few year of my life when things was very. It's very difficult to buy you get food and everything like that. Everyone was very poor, but uh, when you don't have a lot, like when everything you can lose everything easily. It's the only thing you can depend on are the people around you, and that's why my parent and their parent understand that the fact that you need to take care of people around you. Because if anything go wrong in your life, those, those people are the people who have who your back. Yeah. So it's, I will joke that um, like I don't really take care of people. I'm not, I'm not being nice to people because I'm a nice person. I'm just selfish. <laughs> I'm, I'm investing in them and hoping one day if something goes wrong with me, they would actually be there for me.
0: <laughs> you have mentioned several times uh, throughout your website in different ways, both your personal website and the business website, um, like your personal mo- uh, motto is learn, unlearn, relearn. And you also mentioned that you're a 24-7 unlearner. Mm-hmm. What does that mean and why is that important?
2: The thing is that I think they went to uh, my grandparent, my parents went to the war. and they hear a lot of things. And uh, a lot of time what you hear is not exactly what happened. And like, so when I grow up, my, pe- my mom always tell me that I go to school, pass to the class, and just ignore whatever they teach you. <laughs> oh,
0: wow. Okay. <laughs>
2: so just, just like uh, to focus on your own uh, like your personal education, learn yourself, but like ignore everything they teach you. Because why would you learn from someone? Like you should learn from the best of the best. Not to learn for average people. Right. Because like the best people usually actually not teaching. What they do is they actually actually doing what they passionate about. Yeah. Like, very, very, unless you Google it to like, have a Stanford, then you actually do get access to the best teacher, right? Uh, but usually, most of the time, the public education system is more about teaching you to be at the same level of education it's i always say that um public uh, the public education system is the best advertising agency yeah because it teach you to believe in the society shouldn't be the same way it is even it tells you to that uh you will be the changes what you can do for society but it's still limited the way you think because think about this way you go to school for almost over I think like almost 18 years almost 18 years yeah, when you i think yeah. you go to like three or four or something like that and you graduate when you're 22. so basically they tell you that you have to go to school in order to, or to get a job so you can actually make enough money and to afford a family then you can send your kid back to school and go back in the same cycle <laughs> yeah right but um why do you have to wait until you 22 to actually do what you want. You could actually start doing it earlier and figure out maybe that is not what you want to do. And so it's basically you're wasting time. It's easy to figure out that to learn a lot of things that you don't need. Thinking about math, like I believe that you do need basic math. You need to learn how to add, how to subtract. This is a basic basic math. Yeah. But when was the last time you you algebra or calculus? <laughs> yeah, yeah. unless <laughs> you are like an engineer or something like that, never i don't remember yeah <laughs> right um, All this just a lot of things like but this school teach you how to talk someone out suicide i one time some guy texts me i don't even know he's a random guy on the internet and he's caveat i'm really sad and i really want to kill myself because he's um a gay guy and um people would treat him very badly. Oh, if you don't know that I wear colorful ties. So he love a uh, pantyhose. So that's why he would t- take Mrs. because He think, oh, I would appreciate that relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he was, so he was telling me that people around him wouldn't accept he, him for who he is. And I'm like, I don't care who you are. I'm like, I think you're a cool person. You are like, you're not doing anything wrong. It's just a, do it a little bit different, which is fine. <laughs> so that's why we talked to each other. And um, he said that, oh, he really wants to kill himself. I'm like, hmm, what do I do in this situation? School didn't teach me. How can I talk this guy out of killing himself? Yeah. <laughs> and that is something you really need to know or how to buy a how how to negotiate. You don't really learn that much. Like, you barely learn any those or how even sell yourself it doesn't matter what you do you need to learn how to sell because you basically a company that uh, like you really need to sell yourself you, like when you apply for a job you need to show them the best of you or when you um even going to, when you apply for a school you really need to sell yourself like none of the school not to teach you how to do that right so I just feel like, safe, like I love learning, I love like taking random courses um, and I took cooking class, which is really weird because I don't cook. Yeah. Um, I, I have a few art classes last semester. I'm not taking any class right now because I'm going to travel soon, but I'm going to take it in the fall when I get back from on my vacation. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I believe in taking random classes of tailor form They tailor your education, tailor to what you want to do instead of taking a lot of classes that you don't actually need Because when you want to learn something, you learn really quick If you don't want to learn something like a lot of times just probably 80% of all the classes you take in school You don't even want to learn it. Right You go into the class, you learn it, you pass it, by the time you walk on you forget everything. I don't remember anything about physics or chemistry or biology Yeah and it's just a waste of time so i think it's better that people focus on learning what is important to them and and i know people talk about the basic skill like how to write how to uh, how to do basic math um things like that right but to be honest people will learn that because they need those skills in order to learn other things and people people will pick up it easily because like i heard this this lady who have who have a son who's homeschooled, like unschooling. Yeah. And he basically taught himself how to write because he want to chat with his friend on, on online gaming. So he needs to actually learn how to write so he can actually chat with his buddy to actually play a game. So the kid actually taught himself how to write because of that. So people will really learn how to read and the basic skill when they actually need it. And they're gonna learn very fast because they really need it.
0: It's almost like like we're focusing on creating well-rounded people instead of uh, educating people in a way that lets them excel. And you mentioned that you you found marketing because you're good at it as as part of that. And it's like, well, let's invest into people into their strengths instead of just trying to make well-rounded people that are mediocre.
2: Yes, I agree on that. And also the thing is that we people focusing on because, yeah. I think society teach people that they need to follow the passion. The problem is that a lot of times your passion is not what you're good at. Right. And like a lot of people like everyone wants to become a famous singer because you make a lot of money and you have a lot of fun, but most people cannot sing. Yeah. <laughs> so that can follow your passion. Holy suicide here. And also a lot of time, a lot of what you do is depend on luck. Like, I'm lucky that I was born into a family with the viral education and with uh, like they have a lot like, not in Canada and like, North America but back home we have a lot of good connections so I grew up and have interact with a lot of smart people when right. I was small. So that I was lucky, but if I was born into like of maybe a farmer family who have, who can barely feed themselves in somewhere in the, um, somewhere in the country. Actually, I grew up all my life in the city, so I don't know nothing about the country. The thing about that, if I actually was born into a very poor family in the country, in Vietnam, and they would have no chance to actually come to Canada, there's no way for me to actually to be who I am today. So a lot of things you do is depend on luck. Yeah. So um, it's full of your passion. is not really the best way to live in life, to be honest.
0: So you've, as a company, incorporated uh, learning and um, um, thinking and and new ideas as part of your weekly strategy on Fridays. Tell us a little bit about that and how, as a team, you're building time into your schedule to continue learning the things that are going to help you.
2: Okay, so people usually think that um, the more hour you work, the more productive you're going to become right, which is not true. <laughs> it's really about focusing on how to do your tasks faster than not faster, but better than we want. It can be slower, but if you do things right from the first time, you would save a lot of time of fixing it. So, uh, so all team actually work around four or four and a half days a week. We don't actually work on Friday, what unless an emergency or there's um, um, a campaign going on, that happening on Friday. Right. So we don't usually actually work on Friday. We try to avoid scheduling calls. We try to um, uh, have anything less. have a big campaign or anything that's happening on Friday because Friday people don't want to work. People want to go home early. People, uh, they're not in the mood of working. So even if we try to work a lot of time, we don't get a lot of work done on Friday anyway. So, we work work smarter and harder during the week. And on Friday, what we do is that we sit around a boardroom table and um, we would learn about a new topic. For example, messaging bot is something featured on Facebook advertising right now. We would just sit down and learn, like, talk about, like, during the week on our old time, we would learn different things about. the topic that we're going to talk about on Friday, and then everyone will bring different things that they learn to us a week to the table, and we talk about it and we see how can we apply that to our client. So technically we still work, but, but it's not the type of work, like the retainer work, but it's more like figure out what is a better way for us to help our client to actually uh, to bring our marketing strategies to the next level. So we are always learning, and everyone at the table. It doesn't matter if you're senior or junior; you are equal. Yeah. When it comes to your learning table, and they can uh, come up with different idea, and we figure how how we can apply to it. Because marketing with without data is luck, and with our tool learning and updating, and figure out what is new with the industry, uh, um, we can we. Uh, we basically put our clients on a lorry ticket. They buy a lorry ticket. and hope for the best, right? Yeah. So we always have to learn two things, and also we need to unlearn what we know in the past because now things change. What we used to know is no longer be true, and we need to figure out what we need to unlearn. In
0: that learning process, has have set up your agency as Mavericks uh, and or Renegades uh, as as the name of the the business uh, signifies. And and I love on the site, you, you have renegade definition. You said, one who uh, dares to push boundaries, the game changers, rule breakers, thought leaders, dreamers, and doers with a common appetite for challenging the status quo. We make our own path and forge ahead with grit, daring to invent the future. I love that. I think that's awesome. As a company that's focused on changing the status quo... Why is that important? And how do you push the boundaries and test new ideas?
2: So when I do write, what I do, that I I always say that my opinion is not always the right one. I don't know. Because as I grow, I learn something new, right? So what I wrote yesterday, I may may not agree with that tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I always tell people that what I do is I want to offer people a different view so they can start thinking about that so they can see if that applies to them or not. It's important for us to ask questions. question. Start out. I think it's more important that you knowing the answer, but because when you start af- asking questions, you will start learning new things. Because if you don't ask, all society develops every day, so things change, what actually true yesterday no longer be true. That's why none of us like to, want to change. That is the problem. And if we don't challenge what uh, worked for us in the past, uh, we basically bury our future. And that's why I think we really focus on learning and we really focus on trying to find a new way to do different things. And I I do believe that a lot of times people I doing my TEDx talk, I I say something like this, Uh, if you want to fit in with the 99% just you would never become the one percent, right? And uh, because it, I'm not talking about wealth here. I'm talk really talking about education, about um, uh, intelligence and the passion. Everything. there's um, like the top one percent, the most successful, and the most the smartest, the wisest people in the world. Uh, they don't actually follow what everyone else is doing because it. If, if they do exactly the same, what everyone is doing, they would not be the 1%. Right. So, and um, that is something you really need to do. Um, I think I end my talk with something like this. Um, you live in a box, you dry in a box, and one day you're going to be buried in a box.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, so why you want to live your life in a box?
0: <laughs> yeah. I like that. That's a great image. It's
2: true because uh, if you want to limit yourself, if you, people like our society already try to limit us already. And if we accept that, we allow them to do that, tell us exactly what to do. You will never be happy because you will live someone else's life, not what you want to do.
0: I think that's really important that I think more people need to engage with that kind of thinking to say, you know, I can live a normal life or I can live an extraordinary life. And building the life that you want, living that extraordinary life is, is it's scary. It's risky. It's going to have failure. It's going to have success. But the reward of that is that you're creating something that is uniquely you and amazing uh, in the potential of what it can, it can be.
2: I, um. Yes, I think a lot of time, like about success, like a lot of time, you can put a lot of effort into it, and you probably never become successful. In Asia, we have something in the States like this, to become successful, you need to think you have you need the right people, you need the right time, and you need to be at the right place. And I think my father, my father is very very smart, probably one of the smartest people I know, and he lost his money a lot of time <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's really about it's like he worked really hard he's a very smart guy but it, a lot of time it's the wrong time something go wrong and so a lot of time people focus on oh i want to become successful but like you know that is not something up to you like not all the factors gonna lie up <laughs> yeah so i so instead of that i think it's better to focus on to figure out what will make you happy and focus on that. <laughs> and if you're lucky, you're going to also be, become successful <laughs> along the way.
0: As a change agent uh, in the world, what's one area you see in the world around you where you want to see change?
2: What I think what uh, a lot of time people focus on doing big change. <clears throat> what what's they really need to change is themselves. <clears throat> okay. You cannot change the world unless you, you can change yourself first. So whatever they believe in, they should try to apply into their own life first. <laughs> and I think the biggest thing that people need to focus on is their own education and really focus on how to figure out, to, how to extend the view and uh, to become a better person. Because if each of us becomes just 1% better than uh, we have right now, there will be a lot of change in society. You...
0: Are a person who is constantly thinking and and learning and looking at different approaches, seeing what's out there. What are things that you're reading and watching that are inspiring you?
2: Um, what really inspire me? I think I think one of the big thing is that I like to read. So um, I find that a lot of time people only read books in the industry, and I find which is the problem is that everyone in your industry is going to read the same books yeah yeah <laughs> so i find that it's um, so it's interesting if you actually read book or learning from different fields that maybe is have nothing to relate to your industry because um, usually the principle is the same so you can actually learn a lot if the thing it's also for you to view from an outside view and which allow you to actually go back and apply something you learn from another industry in your industry and do things differently. Yeah. Always learn something you not expect to learn would be would put you it's like it's kinda like when you travel to a new country you always learn a, something new because you are not used to it, right? So it's the same idea concept but you want to learn a different field that you are not the expert in and um, Um, so it's for you to view from a beginner point of view, because if you think you're an expert, you're probably not. (laughs) Is there one
0: book that you recommend right now that, that you just kind of go, this is a book that I
2: really love? Um, it's, um, very difficult to pick one.
0: Okay. Is our a <laughs> <couple> books? <laughs>
2: Um, I do love Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Uh, I have a thing for the the PayPal Mafia, so. Okay. Um, they're a very interesting group and I follow them and, um, so Zero to One is a great book. Uh, I do tell people that they should read. I don't like to read news books, Like books that are coming out recently. I, I don't read a lot of those. Uh, Pure uh, like zero to one is like one of the few that I actually read. Um, but like maybe dig up and try to read a lot of philosophy book from five hundred years or two thousand years ago. Wow. Why? Because if a book lasts that long and people are still reading it, there must be a reason
0: a good point <laughs>
2: so yes yeah, so, so like, it's difficult for me to pick a book because there's so many good ones and i keep going back and forth and every time i read it i'm like i'm not sure which one is my favorite i cannot pick one but i would tell people that you should go back to read all the classic um philosophy book okay and uh, uh because you can learn a lot then and you can see what is what still applied to today and what um it's out there and you can learn a lot of them. they last for thousands of years for a reason.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned that these these books have lived for thousands of years and they've and they've had impact for thousands of years. And you're young, uh and so this is probably not a question that that a lot of people are asking you, but what's the legacy you want to leave?
2: What is the legacy I want to leave? Um I think I want like to change I want to change. The I really wanted to see that it can change the way people, they like, don't actually change the people thing, but inspire them to start asking more questions and start um, um, questioning everything around and start to unlearn. I don't know, I think it was one thing that I learned in the past when I when I was younger, I started a nonprofit and at yeah. the end of uh, three years, I'm running the nonprofit, I learned that Nothing gonna change unless people change the way they think. Yeah, and it's, it's a very difficult thing to do, and that's why I close it out and um, I, like, basically I put everything that I do. It's really about that philosophy that you need to learn and learn and relearn. You really need to learn, focus on um, always learning, always learn and improve. <laughs> um your knowledge so i think it's something that more people need to do and more people need to start asking questions of everything around because we're not going to get any change if no one asking any questions
0: i end every episode uh with this final question it's probably my favorite question to ask and it's this what is one dream that you are still wanting to fulfill in your own life
2: i think uh, i still want to do something with that (laughs) I went to school for architectures and I actually go back to school right now to study some, like to do painting, like, it's different type of painting, watercolour and acrylic. So I do really want to learn, like not actually professional, I don't want to become like an architect or become an artist in any way, but I really want to actually learn how to draw and paint very well. It's fun and it's a great way to take a break from life yeah. and do something creative and interesting
0: well it has been so much fun having you on the episode thanks for taking time out and chatting with me
2: thank you michael for having me here it's been fun too
0: once again i want to thank today's guest cammy Pham from think renegade for being on the episode it was a lot of fun having her on and if you want to connect with her find out more about the services they're offering their clients go on over to jumblethink.com and you can find all of her links right on the episode page we have another great episode coming to you on monday it's with manny vea from 2000 books really 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 cool guy you're gonna love his story you're gonna love what he's doing so make sure that you go and check out Monday's episode I think you're gonna love it if you're new to the Jumblethink podcast I want to let you know that you can go over to jumblethink.com or on iTunes and catch all of our amazing past guests it has been truly an honor to talk to so many incredible people doing amazing things in their world now get out there, dream big, and start creating the world you want to live
1: in. L'énervement et tout ce qui caractérise les temps modernes. Vous serez éloigné du monde. Vous serez rentré en vous-même. Vous devez écouter ce disque plusieurs fois pour bien en comprendre le mécanisme. Pourtant, il n'est qu'un commencement. Nous avons voulu en faire connaître la force. Comment un simple disque peut aller plus loin que vous ne l'auriez imaginé. Mettez-vous dans une tenue légère. Otez tout ce qui peut vous gêner ou tirer votre attention. Cherchez la meilleure position, les bras et les jambes légèrement espacés. Étirez-vous. et vous décontracter même en travaillant.